Danger is everywhere. A deep puddle, an open shoelace, a hot tea, a dose of flu, a betrayal. I get off the bus. It's only been a year since I was home, but still. You never know how the layout of a place can change. Life comes at you fast. I'm away down the college road. I used to have the fear of walking down it as a young lad on account of the time Shane Keaton's brother got slashed in the face by some random mad lad with a knife. But now, it's not a bother to me. It's me mother. She's got some sort of sixth sense. Like she knows my feet just landed on home soil. I avoid the call. I mostly avoid calls. What good has ever come from taking a phone call? None. No good. That's where danger lies. Every phone call is potentially a dead person. If you don't answer the phone, you eliminate the danger. Don't touch it. You don't need that hassle in your life. I'm heading up to Benny's house. Benny's my oldest friend. Used to haunt the town together. His wife Jenny ain't keen on me staying, he said. Which is fair enough. I used to be a bit of a scamp, you know. But that's in the past. I'm winding myself now. Minding my steps. Minding my surroundings. I focus on the cracks in the pavement. Not because I'm trying to avoid them. More because I'm thinking about how much I used to avoid them back when I wasn't well. I knew the cracked parts of this town inside and out for years. The town you grow up in has more dangers than anywhere else you know. But that's because you learnt them all. Incrementally, like. You'd be more prepared. I think of the dangers that could happen between here and the seven minutes, twelve seconds it takes me to get to Benny's front door. And I don't need no Google Maps to tell me it's seven minutes, twelve seconds. I know it from memory. For a second, I think I could be on me phone looking at Google Maps and a car could come flying out of the college entrance and plough me out of it. Instead, I focus on how vigilant I am. And how safe that makes me. I am safe. Safe and sound. My bag slung over my shoulders. Head down. Nearly there. Joe, you got down all right? I did. Great to see you, Benny boy. Come in, come in, come in. Benny's got a nice setup here. He's working in an electrician's firm. Consistent work. Solid. Respectable. And there's Jenny coming in like she smelt a fart. Benny and Jenny. Jenny and Benny. Hi, Joe. Jenny's going for the hug, but I've me hand out for a handshake. <laughs> Joe. Hey, oh. Jenny. <laughs> I know she hates me, so I didn't want to be too informal, but now she might think I've gone snobby. People think that way if you've been away from town for a while and they're looking well, which I am. She commits to the hug and so do I. No, it's fine. It's not a great hug now. I've given better hugs, to be fair. This must be the longest stretch you've been away from town, Joe. Uh, don't worry, Jenny. It's just a pit stop. Ah, no. Happy to help if you're stuck, like. We'll have a cup of tea, will we? Then we have cups of tea. They tell me what our old school friends are up to. Which ones have kids and which ones have cancer. They talk about their own baby who's asleep upstairs. Chloe, they call her. I tell them about my new outlook on life. How I've been retraining my mind. 
I feel like I'm giving him the hard sell, but it's true. I'm the best I've ever been. We chat and chat and it's all polite. Benny shows me the couch I'll be sleeping on. That all right, mate? Oh, perfect, Benny. I'll sleep like a log. Is your treatment finished now? It's like anything, Benny, you know. It's, if you're hardwired a certain way, it's always going to be a work in progress. Uh, can I use your jacks? Yeah, work away. Top of the stairs, man. It's not that I don't like talking about it. It's just I want to feel normal. In their nice bathroom, I make sure to put the seat up and keep everything clean. I wash my hands. I remember how I used to do this with the repetitions. Hands red raw from washing and washing. I remember. No sense to it. None. I'm leaving the bathroom when I hear a gurgle. A small one coming from a room off the landing. The baby. She could be caught in the blankets or a cat might be sitting on her face or anything. I rush into the room and there she is in the cot. Chloe, kicking round. I pull the blanket down just in case she gets caught. She mustn't be any more than six months. She looks like my Luke looked when he was at that age. Little pud heading him and blue eyes that'd go through you. She looks up at me and she's a dot. I get that swell in me chest, but it doesn't last long. Joe? What are you doing, Joe? Oh, sorry, Jenny. I just heard her gargling and just wanted to check on her, you know? You didn't need to check on her. She's fine. No. It doesn't last long. It's just, you know, these little babies are so fragile and all the things that could happen. Like, the sheet was getting caught up on her a bit, so I just pulled it down, like, in, in case She's she might have She's just staring daggers through me. It's tense, like. I walk straight out of the room past her. Then I feel it. The first time in a long time. I get downstairs. Benny is washing some mugs. Wasn't expecting to feel that buzz, but Jenny jumped me a bit. It's grand. I'll control it. I'll control it. Control it. I tell you, man, Chloe's such a little dot. Did you see her? Then Jenny's behind me, Oliver shot. He was checking on her. For no reason. Ah, uh, Joe. No, I actually heard her gargling and I just wanted to make sure in the blankets and make sure that she wasn't smothering. She was fine, Joe. She was absolutely fine. The looks they're giving each other. Me? I'm getting a bit antsy now. I feel trapped. Maybe we should head out for a walk, Joe. She doesn't even acknowledge me. She's straight on to Benny, like... Here, he's not staying if he's drinking. Ah, come on, I meant for a walk, Jenny. A walk? Like, I'm off to drink, Jenny. Actually... Joe, look, maybe you should go out for a walk yourself. Until we get the baby settled, clear your head a bit. I can handle outside, but it's just... I'd rather not chance it. Not with the buzz back. <laughs> you need some time alone with the old ball and chain, Benny. Ball and chain, Joe, seriously. Uh, Jenny, I didn't mean it in a bad Joe, way. Joe, you leave a path of destruction everywhere you go. And as much as I'd like to believe you're better, I'll need some convincing. Benny was sound enough to put you up for the night. Actions speak louder than words, I get you. Loud and clear, Jenny. Understood. Don't mess it up for him. He's the only cheerleader you have left in this town. Look, I've got me habits in order, all right? I have them in order. They're in order, yeah? They're just staring at me. And the buzzing is there. Look, I'll go for a walk and let you have your own space. No worries, no offence taken. Don't want to be a nuisance, like. Benny walks me to the door as I get ready to head on out. I'm sorry about Jenny, but... Please don't be drinking. 
None of us need that hassle, yeah? Stop your worrying, man. I get it, honestly. I'm brand new, brand new. And with that, I'm off into the fresh air. And the buzzing starts to die down. The danger got to me in the past, and yeah, I overly medicated, I suppose you'd say. No alcohol needed to quieten the buzz in my brain now, though. They don't know how strong I am. And they're treating me more like a stranger than a friend. A stranger hates you. At least one stranger out there hates you, possibly loads. And that's a danger you can never really account for. There are things you've done to a stranger that you've never even realised. Hit them in the face with the side of your bag as you're spinning round. Talking too loud on a phone and a bus. Being the type of animal who cycles on a footpath. The lollipop lady whose authority you undermine by crossing the road when she's holding the kids waiting. And the kids are looking at her because they're questioning how far the lollipop lady's authority actually stretches. Thus creating the problematic ethical quandary for the child which could lead them to more rebellious actions in the future at the expense of another lollipop lady. And the inevitability of your actions is small kids getting ploughed down by cars. And her energy of hate is put on you. That is a bad omen. A negative vibe. It's a curse, truth be told. We put bad energies out and cast them at randomers like every day. And why should they care they forgot to hold the door open for you in the credit union of a wet Tuesday morn? How many strangers have you hated? I've hated 217. All right. I'm going to bite the bullet and just call up to Ashling and see Luke now. I know I'm not supposed to meet her and the little fella until the morning, but I think it'll be easier for them if they can see how well I'm looking now. Much better than the last time they saw me anyway. I knock up towards Larchfield. I'm a bit wary of this buzzing in my head now, so I start being cautious a bit. I stay on the widest part of the road. Way back when I was a young lad, there was lots of young lads round this way would hop off you. I was a scared young fella, to be fair. Just worrying about things that weren't there. Trying to ward off any danger. Ma thought I was just being odd for ages. Sure you always thought he was a bit OCD. Yeah, Ma. Wasn't until I was nearly 20 I got the diagnosis. So we always thought he was a bit OCD. Yeah. Thanks, Ma. But now... Order. Routine. Control. The good kind, not the OCD kind. I just haven't been tested like this. By me old stomping grounds in the past coming out of nowhere. Going down the Waterford Road when who do I see coming out of Larkin's chippers? It's Gussie. An old drinking friend. A nuisance of a lad. A pest, truth be told. I stop. I pretend to cross the road as if I'm a bit lost. Maybe he won't see me. Hey, Joe! How's it going, me out, Sagosha? He's grinning at me. His greasy paw coming out of his bag of chips and waving. Ah, Gussie! I'm grand, good man yourself. No, and that wasn't enough. The same greasy chip-covered paws beckoning me yeah, over. Come here to me, come here to me. Oh, Jesus. Have you gone all shy, yeah? I'm in a hurry, Gussie, you know. Just come here for two minutes, will ya? I stay still. I hate staying still. He hugs me. The bang of chips is overpowering, to, to be fair. Ah, ah. you're looking well, lad. Eh, what's that need of? <laughs> I've been keeping off the chips, Gussie, yeah? On the old hell kick, yeah? You in town long? Flying visit, Gussie. That's all, mate. I may go. I walk back the direction I came. I don't know why. Instinctively, it feels safer. But then he starts walking with me. Ah, sure, it's been ages since you were home. It's hard to find people to go for a pint these days. 
People our age, Joe. All settled down now. Have the kids in that shite. Zero crack. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what brings you back to town? Just seeing me boy in the morning, Gussie. And I realise that he's slowly diverting me on the road into town. I'm really regretting leaving Benny's and Jenny's. It's just that noise in my head, it was getting bad in there. But I don't want to coming back. I don't want to be going into town. I don't want that at all. I start thinking of all the places Gussie might drag me. Number one, the Monday Club. The Monday Club is where dreams go to die. That's where I passed a small amount of me days. Even a fleeting engagement with the social construct of daytime Monday drinking left me marked as a collaborator. Part of the lads. Any attempts to extricate myself was tantamount to treason. But I had to walk away. To take control of my life. The alcohol wasn't drowning out the buzz anymore. I left them to the purgatory of Monday rounds and the slow process of bacteria converting the alcohol in their bodies into acid. This in turn leads to the acetic or acid fermentation which will make vinegar of their blood. I will not have vinegar in my blood. We get down to the parade and I don't mind telling you my mind is racing. And I'm wondering why he's sticking to me. Force a habit, I suppose. And then I see a bouncer who I recognise as one of the fat brothers of the Welches on the door of a pub. Gussie's over to him for a chat. He eyeballs me like he recognises me. I eyeball him back. I've been put in the realm of danger and I must not panic. I am in control. I pretend I've gotten a phone call. Oh, yeah. And I edge away from Gussie and the fat brother of the Welches and their conversation starts being replaced by the sound of traffic lights. I hear a shout after me, but I'm away. Moving fast, but as I'm walking past the ATM, a girl looks up. Karen? Out of all of them. Karen. I never understood how a girl so spectacularly cross-eyed could be so beautiful. But she was. I could never tell when cross-eyed women liked me. I could only tell when they were disappointed by me. Karen is not a stranger. But that doesn't mean she's not a danger to me. The year we went out was a really bad year for her and a really good year for me. She wasn't in a good place. Her dad had died. She was unemployed and depressed and going out with me emphasised this. I'd split up with Ashling. I was away from Luke. I was a mess. Lots of erratic compulsive behaviour and Karen helped steady me and then once I finally figured out how her eyes actually worked she was gone. Hello Joe. The urge to hug her overcomes me and that's what I do when she smells like the past and it's beautiful but it makes me want to get sick because there's just so much of the past all at once and I'm kind of on the ropes now. You're looking great. Fair play to you. Thanks Karen yeah. Been on the healthy kick and keeping out of trouble you know yourself. I could do with a bit of trouble to be honest. I'm home for my goddaughter's birthday. Just out for a drink there with my brother and his wife and kids. Bored out of my tree. Yeah, families can be fair born. All right, then you go for a drink with me. Seeing as I'm looking for an excuse not to go home and have my mother melt in my head about my poor life choices. She stares a hole into me. I don't know exactly which of her eyes are looking into mine, but they've somehow crisscrossed into one lethal stream and it's burrowing through my chest and into my heart. And all the love I forgot I had for this girl comes bursting out in that moment. But this isn't good. I'm not supposed to be getting involved in anything. I shouldn't have worried them about the baby, but that's one small mistake, that's all. One mistake. Well, see, it's Jenny, you know, 
Benny's wife. <laughs> yeah, Benny and Jenny, Jenny and Benny. <laughs> yeah, I'm just Jenny don't want me drinking while I'm staying with them. And... Uh, you're a grown man, Joe, like, for God's sake, come on, Joe, will you? She's laughing, yeah, but also still with that one super laser on me. I think of how out of control I felt when Gussie dragged me off me path and I'm angry with myself. But more than that, I'm surprised that I got off it so quickly. Especially after how mentally strong I've been these past few months. How prepared I was for coming home and all the dangers that go with that. But then that other voice in my head returns. You can handle this. You're looking well. Best shape of your life, mate. She's obviously impressed. Hence asking you for the drink. This is what you wanted, isn't it? To do normal things. And as these thoughts swirl in my head, it comes out of my mouth before I can even stop it. I will, yeah. I'll go for a quick drink with your car and so go on. Great. Well, come on then, so. Then I'm in Ryan's pub all of a sudden with Karen and there's a load of men there I know to see. One nods at me, but thankfully Karen is so gorgeous she soaks up most of it. She gets in two drinks and I tell myself I can handle one drink. And I take a sip and she's telling me about the job she hates in leash and the life she hates in leash and she's talking about leash a lot in fairness. Which at least gives me something to focus on and soon the drinks feel nice. And I'm enjoying the chats and it's normal. Weddings just wreck my head, Joe. I haven't gone on a holiday in nearly three years because I have, on average, four weddings a year. It's such a waste of money. I know why people do them foreign, because you might as well get a holiday out of it. She's talking and she's charming and soon there's nearly two hours gone and more points than I wanted and yeah. I'm a bit tipsy, I am. I really thought you loved this town. Just needed a change of scenery, Karen. Was it because of what happened? What happened with me and you, like? No, Joe. Leanne Winter's dynamite. And now she's gone and ruined it and everything's drowned out by that noise. Why would you bring that up? You know what? I, I'd nearly rather you were talking about us and you dropping me like rubbish when Leash came calling and then dragging me here for a drink and having the neck to ask me about a poor girl who died insinuating like uh, I... Why are you getting so head up? It was a question. It's not like I know what happened. Neither do I, do I? I was just there. Accidents happen, Karen. We're not all perfect. And you're not either, let me tell you, love. Why don't you use one of those wonky eyes to take a look in the mirror? And as tears spring into her crossed eyes, I realise I'm up in her face. It's like the bad days when it came out of nowhere like a sudden burst of panic you weren't expecting. And with that I storm off on her, leaving her sitting there with her crossed eyes. I scared her. I shouldn't have done that. It's a fairly dramatic exit all the same. And I'm disappointed to find that I sweep right into a huge crowd of owl lads in the bottleneck at the top of the bar. Wedged between a rake of owl lads and I've made a hames of me dramatic exit now, haven't I? Sour owl lads staring at me, but I squeeze and push and it's tight, but I... I'm out. Outside. Alcohol flowing through my system for the first time in well over a year and this is not what control looks like. I need to trust that between here and Benny and Jenny's that everything will be fine and this trip home will return to plan. And I bust up the street walking fast as I can without attracting attention. Not exactly like a middle-aged woman power walking a ring robot close enough. And all the way I keep the refrain in my head. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. After a while, I realise I'm saying it out loud. Muttering it. Not a good look. I walk on. 
Then I'm there. Back at Benny and Jenny's. Joe, ah oh man, are you alright? Grand Benny, why wouldn't it be at all? Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it, mate? Why wouldn't I realise what I'm doing. You're antsy, lad. Real antsy, like. Pacing oh, back and ben, forth, the legs going 90. You're pacing. R- repeating yourself. And he knows too, but I can't admit it. I can't because that'll mean I haven't changed. He's not going to understand how this was Karen's fault. That's why Jenny was freaking out with you. The OCD, like, you drove Ashling crazy with that. Always checking on Luke, the habits and the rituals, worrying about nothing at all, upsetting her and the child and... Look, I'm not feeling too safe out here. Can I just come in? Why don't you feel safe? What isn't there to feel safe about? I'm not being funny, but what are you actually in danger of, Joe? Nothing, just being outside, being in town. It was Karen Downey. She's the one who got me into the pub. She force-fed the beer down your throat? She didn't know, but... Look, I thought he had it under control. I thought he could have one drink. Why can't you keep even one promise like... Uh, here, Jenny, you shouldn't be listening in. You're standing in my garden, you dope. Making a show of us in front of the neighbours. I don't want you in the house with my child if you're at this carry-on again. He's sick, love. Him drinking isn't a sickness. Like, what part of your behaviour is a genuine illness and what part of it is just you being an arsehole? You're out of line now, Jenny. Man up, Joe, and call your ma. You're going to let her throw me out in the street like this? Me, your best friend? All you had to do was not drink like. Ah, here! Did you have to go and throw me stuff in the ground? I simply placed it at your feet, Joe. I let the bag down. God, you're so bloody dramatic. Yeah, it'll be dramatic if your poor baby ends up suffocating up there because of your negligence. And it very nearly could have happened if it weren't for me being vigilant. You just go. Benny says nothing. He's staring at me with eyes that don't know whether to be hurt or angry. But I don't know why he'd be either of those things because I did nothing. I was in control until they started on me earlier. And look at me now. Look what they've done. I pick up me bags and just stare at Jenny. She's not even angry like. It's as if this is the most practical thing she could do. I'm sick of her now. She is the danger in my eyes. I storm off and for good luck I hit their green bin a kick on me way out. Hey! No need for it, Joe. Keep an eye on your child, you wasters. And I'm away. The air hits me and damn I'm drunker than I thought. I've me bag on me shoulder but no route. I'll find something to distract me in town. I don't really want to talk to someone unless it's Ashling or Luke. I don't want to talk to strangers at all. Just thinking about that makes me nervous. I notice I'm avoiding the cracks in the concrete. What else aren't I noticing? All that's going through my head is that I can't control the danger. I can only control me. Only me. And before you know it, I'm looking at that corner I wanted to avoid where it all went wrong with Karen. And then I'm back where I started. Around the corner I see him. Oh no, Gussie. Gussie coming towards me, delighted he's found me again. And it's repeating on me. It's all repeating even when it's me who's trying to resist the repetitions. It's like I can never escape from the old routines of this town and all the bad habits and the back of my brain is on fire. Where did you disappear off to, lad? I had stuff to do, Gussie. You're looking half cut now, so you are. I'm more sober than you were when you knocked a young lad down the Black Mill Street and drove off, not a bother on you. I hear. No, I... I didn't know now. His fat jaw drops that I've said this. He's trying to rise me so I hit harder than expected. The young lad ended up in a wheelchair and Gussie got away with it, so fair game. Scumbag. There's a lad and a one with him. About ten years younger than us. Where's your mates, Gussie? The dregs of the town. Uh, This is Jamie and Eva. Well, how's it going? You well. They're good pals of mine. Fair play to you. 
for giving this waster people to drink with of a Monday night. <laughs> they laugh at my comment, but I know as Gussie knows that it's truth in jest. He's been very polite for a lad I've just verbally destroyed. Town is dead. So we're going up to a party in Lockby. You want to come up for a wee session? A party? A hometown party? The thought makes the buzzing in my brain worse, but then I think avoiding the danger hasn't worked. I need to walk into the danger. Attack it. Yeah, Gussie. Yeah, all right. Then I'm off up the street with two strangers and a lad I don't even like in the first place. Gussie's on the phone to someone as we walk along. I'm taking deep breaths, soaking up the sobriety. I'm going to walk straight into it. The danger of a stranger's house and drinking with the exact type of scobes I fought long and hard to get away from. But a certain degree of chaos has knocked me off my path. It's made me lose control. It's up to me to control how I react. That's all I need to do. 10% is what happens to me and 90% as I react to it. 10% is what happens to me and 90% as I react to it. 10% what happens to me and 90% as I react to it. We get up to a neglected suburban house full of ugly old carpets. Few dregs I know to see. Barry Gavin and there's Tracy McMahon and Bully. I don't know his real name, everyone just calls him Bully. People are drunk enough. A bag of gear comes me way and I wave it off. None of that garbage for me. A can is handed to me but I put it back down, still defiant. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'll show Benny and Jenny. Gussie's all drunk and grinning at me. Why does he keep grinning at me? Were I still worried about danger, I may have cause for concern at this, but I do not. I look at Gussie and think of the acid that flows through his blood and how someday he will become pickled like a large gherkin or particularly ugly cucumber. I look at this pickled, worthless man and think despite my disorder and my little stumble off the wagon tonight and all the hurt I've caused in my time that I will not end up pickled. I will endeavour to end my days with unpickled blood. And as I'm thinking hard about blood and pickles, I realise everyone's looking at me. Maybe it's the drugs or the lack of tunes, but there's a weird tension crept into the room. As with every bit of tension in my life, it could be in my head, but I'm not reacting to that, not anymore. And then I think maybe I'm the weird tension, you know? Just my general energy, like. And as I'm thinking this, I realise I've missed the new arrivals. The ones who quietened the room. I turn and see Connie Winter staring at me. She's small and pale and looks like she's rolled out of bed and strayed into a routine she has prepared for the eventuality of. And she's got her lads with her and the fat brother of the Welshes. And I know why I'm here. And I know why they're here. About time this party picked up, huh? Gussie set me up. He was trying to get me somewhere. Somewhere like here where I'm stood still. Connie Winters is a stranger to me and I her sworn enemy. Connie seems like she's waiting for me to kick off and that's not going to happen. Not me. I'm in control. They can call me all the OCD, all the disorders, all the aggro they want, but they'll not rise me. Not the new me. Not like Karen and Benny and Jenny did. Because I'm better no matter what anyone says. But Connie looks so angry I feel sorry for her. No matter what, I'm ready this time. I'm ready. Thought it was time to swan back into town, did you? I did, yeah, Connie. And I'll tell you why. I've a son I want to see. And I cleaned myself up and I made something better of myself and then I ruined it all by coming to a miserable party like this with an effort of a human like Gussie. 
I'm glad you're enjoying life because my little sister isn't. Leanne isn't enjoying anything. I didn't go near Connie. How do you know? You don't remember, do you? A very convenient memory lapse, yeah? And I'm done with it. I've lived with it for the last year. The mess of a house party. My obsessiveness turning into manic, intolerable behaviour, unable to keep control, fixating on stuff, scaring everyone. Ashling done with me. Me ma done with me, friends not replying to me, and poor Benny struggling. And then into drinking and drugging and ending up at that house. 6am of a Tuesday morning and it's me and Leanne Winters left on the balcony of her apartment and chatting a minute and then I can remember nothing before waking up to the guards and ambulances and I realised that she'd gone over the side. I only knew her from out and about, bit of a random or only chit-chat between us. Just another lost soul to go drinking with of a Monday night when the white flag isn't something you want to consider reaching for. She must have sat up or slipped or something. And I saw her three floors down below, dead as you like. Broken into weird shapes that didn't look like her. As I looked down, I remember thinking how weird it was that she landed between the cracks of the path. And why is that the first thing I noticed? I couldn't even control my own memory anymore. A girl dying on my watch. And I had to leave town. Go to the hospital, shake my bad habits, stay away from everyone I loved until I was able to face them. Until today. And here I am. Unable to tell an angry, vengeful Connie Winters how her little sister died. That's what you said, wasn't it, Joe? You don't remember what happened to her. But you're well able to memorise your weird little routines and rituals. But that's why I drank, love. I had to drown out that noise in me head. You prowled this town for years. The mad young lad who kept repeating himself and was always worried about things that weren't there and we'd all laugh at you behind your back. The whole town laughed at you. Thought you were harmless. Just another weirdo. But man, when you started drinking, you got dangerous, didn't you? Then we stopped laughing. Then you weren't funny anymore. Ye all laughed at a kid who wasn't well. And that's how you got away with it. By saying you're sick. You're not sick. You're just a drunk. A druggie. An absolute lula. A menace to everyone. And now you expect me and my family to let you stroll back into town as if Leanne never died? Well, she did. And my kids won't ever see their auntie again. And I have no sister anymore. Now I'll give you one chance to tell me the truth before this gets real nasty. What did you do to her? And she's in my face. And what's worse, I see her point, but I don't know what happened, I don't. And why should I fight it? I'm not being funny, maybe a little bit, but not that much. Look, honey. You're right. Maybe I did kill her. And the words are barely out of my mouth and the danger is here. She's hit me and then her gang of cronies weighed in, beating me. I see Connie's boots stamping down into my face and when I look up at her, she looks emotionless. Just someone stamping out the source of her pain. 
the fat brother of the Welsh is a screaming to take it outside and my mouth is already split. Teeth are smashed, kicks in the nose and lads stamping up and down on me legs. And I take it. I take it because I'm tired. I'm thrown onto the ground outside and kicked around like a punctured football. Soon there's neighbours' roars ringing out but I just keep taking my licks because they keep giving them. It's a penance. It's what I came home for. And I think about me ma and if she'll get one of those dead phone calls about me soon and will she answer. And as they continue to beat me, I notice that anxious buzzing. A resident in my mind for so, so long and newly back with a vengeance has stopped entirely. The worst has happened. There's no worse danger. And despite the pain I'm in, I begin feeling strangely optimistic. As sirens blare and Connie and her cronies scatter, I roll over with blood dripping into my eyes and contemplate how out of control the sky looks. I take the image of it in. I won't forget this. I feel sober, able to think and remember clearly. And in my head, the voice, 90% of how you react to it. Shh. This is how I talk to you, to my brain, to tell it not to be anxious about danger that isn't really there. As my consciousness dips, I'm telling myself that I've got it all under control. And now the me that worries about danger is quiet again. And my eyes are on the sky taking it all in, needing to remember what it feels to have embraced danger. And then I black out. But the sky is still pink in my brain. I wake up in the hospital. Sore on a trolley. Okay, you're in control, Joe. You've had a lapse, but you've got control back. I'm falling off the bed, noticing the new limp, the bandages all over my arms. A nurse tries stopping me going anywhere. She's on about concussions, scans my brain. Yeah, my brain has been the problem with my life, love. I search for the time. You see the clock, it's half nine. I have to be at the visit for 10am. I'll make it. I will. My bag is missing. No change of clothes. I'm looking like a bloody mess, but I'll be there. I will. I just walk there. Not a bother on me. I know where I'm going. Just a normal fella going off to see his kid. That's it. I get into the family resource centre and the woman at the reception looks horrified by the cut of me. I don't care. I'm here, in one piece. And there's Ashlyn coming out of the room. She stops dead when she sees me. Tears immediately spring into her eyes. I was meant to be better. She spent six years putting up with my broken brain. In the end she couldn't. Left one night while I was ranting and raving and banging doors and turning lights on and off. And the constant disruption of me finally got to her. Now she wants to stay clear of me but I get that. It's a safe guard against danger. I know by her eyes now that she wants me to be better. I wish she'd seen me yesterday. I was better, Ashlyn. I, I was all set, but people won't let me forget the past. And I let myself get upset by that and it got me off my path and that's when Connie Winter showed up with her gang and they jumped me and look... I'm sorry. I really, really am. It was my bad. It's my bad. And she just smiles sadly, like she feels sorry for me. 
the pathetic version of me she hated, the belligerent one who wouldn't help himself. She sees that that lad is gone, and the lad left is a lad trying. Even if he can't control what happens to him. She beckons me into a small room, the place is bright. Ashling closes the door in after. Luke is sitting there on the ground playing with his toys. He looks up at me. He's a boy now, not a toddler. He looks a bit wary of me, probably because of me face being smashed up and carries on with his playing. I look down and see what he's doing. He's got a small ball down in the playmat and he's counting it, bouncing it round from patch to patch, one place to another. And I wait and see if he's going to stop and do something else instead, but... He's not. He keeps doing it. He looks up at me and smiles as he does it again and again and again. And I feel like I've just been punched. A danger I wasn't expecting. I smile back at him weakly. Is this the start of it or am I just imagining it? But we'll nip it in the bud. We will, we will, we will. I take the ball off him. He looks annoyed, but I want to break whatever habits he might be getting. I throw the ball up for him to catch and he does. He smiles back at me, then throws it back. Right into my left hand. I catch it, I throw it back, he catches it in his right hand. He throws it back into my left hand, I catch it, throw it back, he catches it in his right hand. He throws it back into my left hand. I throw it back to his right hand. Him into my left hand and me into his right hand. Him into my left hand and me into his right hand. He catches it and throws it to my left hand and I catch it and throw it to his right hand. 